This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm glad to be here this morning. I'm glad to be in worship with you. I've been missing you. Uh, I don't know about you, but I wasn't here in church last Sunday. I don't know what you were doing. And the Sunday after Christmas, I was out of town and worshiping in another place. And I tell you, this preacher preached for 45 minutes. (laughs) Turn to your friend and say, I'm glad our pastor doesn't do that. Today we're kicking off this series called Lured. Uh, We're lured by many things. Uh, Over the holidays, I got to tell you, I was lured too much by food and football. I read somewhere where it said, it doesn't matter the food you eat between Christmas and New Year's, it's the food you eat between New Year's and Christmas that's a problem. Well, it is a problem to eat between Christmas and New Year's, and I gained four pounds to prove it. So I was lured by too much food and football. I am glad Mizzou won, and I'm always amazed at the creative ways that the Kansas City Chiefs find a way to lose a playoff game. So I'm ready to be thinking about other things. Uh, We're talking about this whole idea that we can be lured in good ways and not good ways. We can be lured in our culture today very easily by things that are downright destructive and harmful. Our worship table this morning depicts some of those things that reflect the quick fixes of our time, that uh, we put a Band-Aid on a problem or we get the duct tape out and we just try to fix a problem, we fix the emotion, we fix a feeling by whatever we want to take or do at the time. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today as uh, we counteract this whole idea of being lured by the quick fixes. Now, we're going to go back in time in Scripture during this series to the book of Judges. And I want to tell you something about Judges just for a moment. This is a time in in Judges. It was a time of social disintegration. There was a real decline in religious and moral values. There was no sense of what is right or what is wrong. Uh, And the Judges themselves that we read about in the book really aren't legal arbitrators like we might think of the word judge today, but they were kind of like these, these military leaders or these vigilantes that were just kind of taking things in their own hands. It was a time of real vengeance. Um, it, it, was a, it was a result of when culture just totally disintegrates before your very eyes. And there's an interesting phrase at the very end of the book of Judges, and it pops up one other time in the book, where it says there was no king in Israel. In other words, there was no rule of law. So everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Um, Isn't that kind of a depiction and description of kind of what's going on right now? I mean, don't you really think that most of us subscribe? You know, it's your life. Do what you think is right. And we're being lured by a lot of things that are doing a lot of harm to ourselves and other people in the process. Now, the person we're going to be reading about in just a moment is the poster child for that, the guy that did what was right in his own eyes continuously, and that was Samson. Now, Samson was a guy 
that was a, a result of a prayer. He, he really was a gift to his parents. His parents that were barren, they wanted a child for a long time. The Lord gave him a child. The, the, the angel of the Lord came to Samson's mother and said, you're going to have a special child. And this child is going to be set aside. They did what was called a Nazarite vow, where there were special things about Samson, where he wasn't to cut his hair, he wasn't to drink any wine. And during this culture, I need to tell you one other thing, that in this culture, they really didn't believe in the practice of, of intermarrying people of other faith. And they also didn't practice eating anything out of a dead carcass, which that part makes sense to me. Uh, so let's jump into this story and let's look at the different ways that Samson, just through his own quick fixes, uh, got into a world of hurt. Verses 1 through 3. Once Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw a Philistine woman. Now the Philistine woman is not of their faith. They actually were the arch rival, the enemy of Israel. And then he came up and he told his father and mother, I saw a Philistine woman at Timnah, now get her for me as my wife. Back in that day, the father and the mother chose the, the spouse, the, the wife for their son. It's just the way it was done. And I didn't think it was a very good idea when I was a young man, but when my daughter was looking, I thought it was a pretty good idea. Uh, <laughs> But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among your kin or among all our people that you must go take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me because she pleases me. That's going to be one of the themes in Samson's life. Samson is a guy that has sexual urges. Most guys do. What Samson does is always just seek the quick fix to satisfy that. And so he just says to his parents, get her for me. I want her. Let's read on in the story in verse 5. Then Samson went down with his father and his mother to Timnah. He came to the vineyards of Timnah. Suddenly a young lion roared at him. The spirit of the Lord rushed on him. And Samson was especially supernaturally gifted because of that vow and the strength of not cutting his hair. The Spirit of the Lord rushed on him, and he tore the lion apart barehanded as one might tear apart a kid. Now, you can't fault him, no matter how much of an animal rights person you are, if a lion runs at you and he tore him apart, if you can pull it off, more power to him, okay? But it's what Samson does next that really kind of shows his character. But he... He did not tell his father and mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and, he, and she pleased Samson. And I think you can read between the lines in terms of how that she pleased him. And after a while, he returned to marry her, and he returned aside, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it out into his hands, and he went on eating as he went. Now, that was something that was against the mores, the mores, the customs, the beliefs of their faith. In fact, I just don't think I'd ever want to eat honey out of a dead carcass anyway. But when he came to his father and his mother, he gave them, and they ate it. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. Here we see another quick fix. We see in Samson someone that really likes to practice bravado. He, he really is... Uh, 
a strong kind of alpha male kind of guy. And he does what he wants. And you also read in this story a real disrespect for his parents. I mean, it really comes through, doesn't it? He doesn't only break the morals of the culture. He tells his parents what to do rather than his parents leading him. And what else happens? He gives them honey, which is from a dead carcass against the morals and mores that his parents would not practice and doesn't bother to tell him where he got the honey. You have a theme here of Samson just kind of doing what he wants and getting what he wants and his parents are never prepared to say no. Henry Cloud tells this story of a CEO, a, a father, a boss of a company. He actually found the company. He was walking to his company, his factory one day, and he noticed his son, who was an employee of his, who was berating the customers, berating the employees around him. And the father, the boss of the company, motions his son to come into his office. And he said to his son, son, I wear two hats around here. I wear the, bass, the, the boss hat, and I wear the father hat. I'm going to put the boss hat on now. You're fired. We don't tolerate that kind of behavior of employees in this company. Now I'm going to put my father's hat on. Son, I heard you lost your job. Is there something I can do to help you? You wonder if Samson might have turned out a little bit differently, if somewhere along the line his parents might have said, no. No, Samson, we're not going to do that. Quick fixes. Personal responsibility. Samson's the poster child of the first. Well, let's read on. His father went down... To the woman, and Samson made a feast as there as their young men are accustomed to do. So he's in this Philistine community. He's, he's marrying his Philistine wife. When the people saw him, they brought 30 companions to be with him. And Samson said to them, Now, let me put a riddle to you. If you can explain it to me within seven days of a feast and find out, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 festal garments. But if you cannot explain it to me, He's talking to these 30 guys. Then you shall give me, each of you, your linen garments, your festal garments. So they said to him, ask your riddle, let us hear it. And he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. He kind of plays Jeopardy with him. And if you don't know what Jeopardy is, don't worry about it. But for three days, they could not explain the riddle, okay? What's going on here? Samson in his alpha male approach, you know. We guys, we, we just like competitiveness. We like doing wagers. We did a personality test in our leadership summit yesterday, and uh, there's four basic personality types, and my strong type is domineering. I've known this about myself for a long time. I'm an alpha kind of a male. I'm aggressive. I'm assertive. Um, and for a long time, you know, I, I used to, you know, when I got out of bounds and I knew it was misdirected, I would pray, God, change my personality, please. But I recognized, you know, God wired me this way. 
And so the way I pray now, the way I, I look at my life is, God, help me to use the personality that you gave me for, for the right purposes. Help me not to make the quick fix. Help me not to put words in my mouth. Help me not to say something stupid. Help me not to paint myself in the corner. Help me not to be competitive in a way that puts the other person down or, or creates wagers between people. You know? and, and oftentimes, you know, we, we guys, we can, we can kind of do that. And, and it's okay, but there's an okay way and a wrong, wrong okay way, and, and we just get into trouble. Let me sh- tell you one time when, when my kids... And Susan and I were in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. We went down there for a two-week vacation. We didn't have any money, so there was this guy that gave basically a free house to pastors, but the trick was you had to stay two weeks there. And I loved my kids, but I had a 14-year-old son, I had a 9-year-old son, an 8-year-old daughter, and after two weeks, it was getting kind of crazy. And in the midst of all that, Jonathan is begging me, let's go through Jacksonville. Because I want to see where the Jaguars play. And I just said, son, that's two hours away. We're not going to ever go through Jacksonville. We're not going to do that on the way down. And when we were down, he said, let's go through Jacksonville on the way back. I said, no, we're not going to do that. He just kept hounding me and hounding me. And so I said, Jonathan, I'll tell you what. If Jacksonville beats the Denver Broncos Sunday, and the Broncos were really good in those days, just like they are right now, then we'll go through Jacksonville on the way home. I knew that was not, there was not a remote possibility that was going to happen. Well, the Jacksonville pulled off one of the biggest upsets in NFL history that Sunday, and we went through a hurricane-like storm through Jacksonville because I had to keep my word in the wager to my son. What happens here? You know, when we set up these kind of wagers, somebody's going to get hurt, someone's going to get mad, and this is downward spiral of quick fixes. So what happens is, well, on the fourth day, you know, these guys can't solve the riddle, these 30 guys, so they said to Samson's wife, coax, her, coax your husband to explain the riddle to me, or we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Now, these people really meant business. Have you invited us here to impoverish us? There's a lot of money, there's a lot of resources on the line here. So Samson's wife wept before him, saying, You hate me. You do not really love me. You have asked a riddle of my people, but you have not explained it to me. And he said to her, Look, I've not even told my father and my mother. Why should I tell you? She wept before him the seven days, and their feast lasted, that the feast lasted. And because she nagged him, On the seventh day, he told her. Then he explained the riddle to her people. The men of the town said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. Nice statement, Samson. (laughs) If we were to keep reading the story, we'd find what does Samson do to pay off his debt? He goes to the neighboring town and he kills off 30 men, grabs their garments so he can pay off his debt and pay off his wager. You just see this continuous downward spiral sucking sound of one quick fix leads to another quick fix leads to another quick fix. And we just kind of get caught up in this kind of destructive 
crazy behavior where people are always just kind of looking out after themselves. Whatever's right in their own eyes. I want to ask you to, to think for a moment and ask yourself a quest, uh, the question, can you think of a time when you did a quick fix? When you chose to do something that really did a lot of damage. What was the state of mind that you had at the time? What were you thinking? What was going on? What was it that lured you? Maybe you did something just for a moment that was really stupid. And then it led to something else that was more stupid. And maybe you even today find yourself in, in that kind of pattern. What can we do about that? You know, people talk today about how there's the upper brain level and the lower brain level. That's how some psychologists, psychiatrists talk. And the upper brain level, we're thinking. We're using reason. We're looking at consequences. We're looking at what would be the end result if this action is taken. And yet there's this lower brain level where we fight or we flight or we freeze. We do nothing or we just fight back out of our emotional or lack of emotional intelligence or we just run irresponsibly away from the problem. That's not the way. Uh, it's not the way to live. You know, one of the things I've learned is don't make a big decision on a bad day. I've made some bad decisions <laughs> on bad days. There are some days where you just call the day and you say, I'm, I'm just not going to make a big decision today. Thursday was a bad day for me. I went into the dentist for my bridge work. He pulled off one of my crowns, found there was a cavity in there. He started drilling away on the cavity, found out that it was deeper than he thought. He, this is somehow turning from a bridge into a root canal. He finds out that there is infection in the gum. He starts working down the gum. My gum starts bleeding like crazy. All of a sudden, he stops and says, this is beyond me. i got to send you to the specialist. And so I go to the specialist across town. He looks at it. He taps the... He, he does x-ray. He says, you know, your condition is such... I don't know if we can even save this tooth, but uh, I'm going to have to put you some medicine in here. We're going to have to give you some antibiotics. And we started adding up some figures in terms of cost. And we looked at what this root canal was going to cost. It was going to be $900. Plus, if there's going to be another problem with that, it would be another $400. And I was adding up in my mind as my jaw was throbbing that this whole thing is going to cost $2,000 by the time we do the bridge work. And they said, would you like to schedule the appointment? And I said, let me think about this just for a little bit. <laughs> Don't make a big decision on a bad day. But there's a deeper thing here. There's a deeper issue going on. And it's really adopting a whole different mindset. It's a verse from Romans 12, 2 that I want to share with you. I'd love for you to jot down this verse reference if you can't jot down the whole words. Because I think to me, this is a transforming kind of verse. This is the kind of counsel that Samson needed. This is the counsel that all of us need when we're just kind of doing whatever we think is right in our own eyes, whatever pleases us, when we're so easily lured to all the things that's going on in our culture, 
Oh, these words of the Apostle Paul to the Romans is such wisdom. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Ongoing renewing, ongoing participle, present participle. Is that the right grammar? <laughs> that you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That renewing of the mind is a continuous activity. It's never like, okay, I've got a renewed mind now. I'm good to go. No, it's a continuous process of filling and renewing our minds with the thoughts of God, with thoughts that are good and pure and right that counteract what's going on in our culture and what is attracting us and luring us away from, from what is good. Here's a little statement that I came across 30 years ago and it still works for me. Sow a thought and reap an action. Sow an action and reap a habit. Sow a habit and reap a lifestyle. Sow a lifestyle and reap a destiny. You see the pattern? Some people say, well, if you just as well do it if you think it. Come on, you know. Every one of us has got bad thoughts. Every one of us has got thoughts that come at us. Every one of us has got that junk in our head. But if you got a bad thought, we don't have to act on it. Get a new thought. Get a different thought. And it's also true that we can sow these good thoughts, these good, this good counsel. You just wish as you're reading Samson's story, you could have said, time out, Samson. Let's stop and think about this for a moment. I want to ask you to be asking yourself, what are you doing to renew your mind? What is a practice that you could be doing? What is it something, maybe some quick fix that you need to stop doing? And what's, what's a practice you could start doing? At Schweitzer, we're always trying to create opportunities for people that might just start a practice that is transforming and different that, that can really give them life change. What's that next step for you? Let me just give you a quick menu. Financial Peace University by Dave Ramsey is an opportunity where if you're someone that is struggling with a lot of debt or mismanagement of finances, whether you have little, some, or a lot, Ramsey has a lot of wisdom. Basically, debt, unless you're really a financial wizard and know how to make it to your advantage, debt is dumb. And the wisdom that you can learn through this class that starts next Sunday is profound. It's the best $100 that you'd ever spent. Transformation Hub is something we're doing as a church that recognizes that, you know what, our culture, our government, and our churches, Schweitzer included, we are practicing toxic charity. We, do, we just throw money at problems, and we think that's going to take care of it. And we're going to do it a different way around here. We're going to continue to practice charity and mercy and love and helping people. But we're calling people more to a sense of accountability. We are for people, and we, we have this vision that the person, no matter how down they are, if they are ready, if they are ready, 
to get whole and well, there's going to be some amazing things that happen to the lives of a lot of people in this congregation as we learn to do it a different way. Living a healthy life, I, I hope that is something that you do. My wife is, is leading a class tomorrow for those who are chronically ill. Susan suffers from rheumatoid arthritis. She's someone that knows chronically every day what it means to be in pain. Uh, you know, my little bout with my teeth on Thursday was nothing compared to the pain that so many people endure every day of their life. Uh, that class is full, but I, I hope that just that statement, living a healthy life, creating some patterns in your life that can change you around. The Five Love Languages is a class for parents of kids. How do we, how do we rise up against the, the practices of dysfunction and how do we learn to speak life and love into each other? The good and beautiful community that begins in February is an opportunity for us to grow in Christian community and groups. So what is a practice that could be life-changing for you? You know, it's interesting. In verse 4, we, we skip verse 4. If you were astute, uh, we skip that. But, but here's, what here's what is read in verse 4. After it says that Samson said to his parents, get her for me, get this woman for me. This verse is troublesome to me. But here's what it says. It says, his father and mother did not know that this is from the Lord. For he was seeking a pretext to seek against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. What does that mean? It means that God was kind of going against the very thing that God had told his parents not to do. In other words... God will work with situations. Uh, we may have made a big mess of things. And yet, God is going to work through this whole process and all the messes that Samson makes in his life to still redeem Israel and help this nation and this people find their way back. And so in that sense, that verse is not troublesome, but it's good. I just lift it up in saying to you, wherever you are in your life, there's one person that just will not ever give up. Never give up on you. And that person is God. God just doesn't seem to know when you're 28 points down in the game and it's the fourth quarter. God just doesn't seem to know when it's the sixth game of the World Series and you're going to bat for the last time. God just doesn't seem to know that you're down on the count. God just never gives up on us. Don't give up on yourself. But here's two questions I'd like for you to ask yourself as you come to communion this morning. What quick fixes do you need to do that you need to stop doing? What's that pattern? What's that downward spiral need to stop doing? And what's the discipline practices that you need to start? As our servers come forward, I'm going to pray over this. Lord, thank you for the bread and the wine and your presence. We pray that you would bless this time of communion where we come and we release to you the brokenness and all the quick fixes of our life. And we turn and we allow you to transform our lives through Jesus Christ. Amen.